Hello and welcome to Cutting the Bull in the Post-Truth Apocalypse. I'm Ben and as always I am hanging out with Mike, Hello. Claire hey. and Pete. Bonjour! Was that Basil Fawlty or Pete? <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a Del Boy. <laughs> oh, I'm going with Del Boy actually. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, Pete's here. Au revoir for Del Boy, innit? Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs> Rodney. Today, we join you to talk about Jeff the Talking Mongoose, or, if we're being technical, the haunting of Cashin's Gap. That sounds kind of sexual. <laughs> it does a little bit, doesn't it? But that was the book that was written about this, along with the other book that didn't really make much money, and that was called Jeff. 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 That's why it didn't make much money there. Yeah, it's probably. spelled stupid as well. It's spelled G-E-F, Jeff is. If they had spelled it Jeff the Talking Mongoose, they might have got a few more buyers. Yeah. That's they what might we're have. hoping with this episode, because that's what I'm calling it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Team Jeff. <laughs> anyway, before we get into that, I'll thank some new and returning listeners. There's a, a, a long, long list here this week, so I'll go through a few of them. Richmond Hill in Canada... Indianapolis, Indiana, Stockport in the UK, Delhi in India. Don't miss them out, Cardiff. Cardiff, <laughs> yes. Frankfurt and Maine, regular listener, I'll say hello to you. Gruningen in the Netherlands, Mike, is that right? They've got a football team, you know the pronunciation of that better than me. Sounds about right. Oak Park in Illinois in the US, Phoenix, Arizona in the US, Dublin, Ireland, Lawrenceville in Georgia, is that Georgia? Yeah. Georgia. US, Stevenage in the UK, Bengaloo in India, long time listener man, Bengaloo. He is. Welcome back, yeah. Yeah, yeah. San Francisco, California, Ashburn, Virginia, Boardman, Oregon, Guadalajara, Spain, Perryville, Missouri and Madrid, Spain. Thank you very much for listening, it's all appreciated, tell a friend, tell several friends, tell me you know these four mad English people who talk about random shit. Mm. (laughs) So let's talk about the bizarre case of Jeff, the talking mongoose. Any thoughts on the title, guys? So it's a real mongoose? Is it? We don't know. We'll find out. We'll discuss it. Is he a bit like like Gordon the Gopher? Gordon the Gopher, much beloved 80s children's television puppet. Hmm. No. Oh. Because he's a gopher. (laughs) (laughs) Now, in the autumn of 1931, the Irving family, residents of a farmhouse at Dawlish Cashin, on the Isle of Man, and why don't we say it's the Isle of Man? It's all British protectorate. It's in between Britain and, and Ireland, isn't it? The Isle Wales of Man. and Ireland. Wales and Ireland. Yeah. Well, Britain and Ireland. Who cares the Welsh as their own nation? Tiny little island, isn't it? It's only about seven miles across, isn't it? Or something like that. It's something very small, but it's it's a bit remote. They have isn't the TT it? racing, don't they? There. They have they have TT racing, which is motorbike racing. They have Manx cats, which are tailless, and they have Jeff the talking mongoose. Probably a lot of incest. I wouldn't like to say. But it can be a bit remote in Cashin's Gap. It's windswept, it's bleak, the farmland's not great. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody. And they reported, the family there reported, the Irving family reported the presence of a strange mongoose-like creature that had begun to appear around and inside their home. The bizarre circumstances began when, according to the Irvings, the sound of scratching, rustling and vocal noises were heard within the walls of the tiny farmhouse. Now I'll explain here, the farmhouse itself is an outer stone building and inside, with a bit of a gap for insulation, is a wooden inner wall. Mm -hmm. So there's a gap between the stone and the wood Mm -hmm. and they can hear rustling 
and little vocal noises coming from within that gap. Believing it to be a rodent infestation, they placed traps. However, no rodents were found and the strange noises persisted, growing ever more disturbing. Trying to scare away whatever the Whatever was causing the sounds, James, the Irving family patriarch, or daddy, <laughs> growled like a predator, and far from frightened, the creature growled back, and they put down poison. James Irving had tried to shoot him with a rifle. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, it's a rodent infestation, it's going to be. The Irving's farmhouse was soon plagued by more growls, barks, hissing, and the crying of what sounded like a baby. As time progressed, it became more apparent that whatever was responsible for the strange noises was a skilled mimic, able not only to imitate what it heard, but capable of learning and retaining. Soon the mysterious entity was picking up human language by listening to the Irvins, making gurgling noises like a baby attempting to speak for the first time. That's creepy. <clears throat> so yeah, he's, James is whistling at it, and it's whistling back, imitating him. Cool. I've got to pronounce the, the daughter's name right, Vora who is the uh, 12-year-old daughter in the Irving, Irving family, an only child, took to reciting nursery rhymes and asking the being to repeat them. According to the Irving family, the entity did so in a clear, high-pitched voice, which is apparently two octaves above the human range. Okay. Apparently. According to the Irving family, the entity did so in a clear, high-pitched voice, again, so above the two-octave range of the human voice, and soon after, it introduced itself to the family as Jeff. Jeff. An extra clever mongoose. Okay. Is that what he said? I'm an extra clever the, mongoose. I'm an extra clever mongoose. I think Alvin. Sounds like I'm an extra clever mongoose. Alvin, Simon, Jeff. Jeff told the Irvings that he had been born in Delhi, in New Delhi, India, in 1852. And he also said that he's a ghost who'd taken the shape of a mongoose. <laughs> right. But the weird thing with Jeff is apparently, and if you scroll up to the illustration done by Vora, at the top of the page, you'll notice his creepy little human hands. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It looks like a mongoose, but... It's is a... it, or is that just a shit... No, no, they are. He is meant to have these little oh, front right. hands that are like little human hands because he used to strangle rabbits to death. Do you like my little what? human hands? Is he, is he sure it wasn't just a big squirrel? No, no. So this has got proper little hands. Well, this strangle rabbits with these hands. My little mongoose hands. No. I'm still on team Jeff. <laughs> Creep as fuck. Stove its head in with a shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's your answer to everything. <laughs> Someone annoying me? Oh, stole the name of the shovel. All calling the Armenian Mafia to cut their hands and feet off. I cut his little human hands off. Why would you do that to Jeff? <laughs> oh, you took my human hands. <laughs> now you tell me like Mr. Slave. <laughs> Not Mr. Slave. Who's you Mr. Like Slave? Mr. S Mr. Slave was Mr. Garrison's partner. Oh, no, no. His, his little puppet. Oh, Mr. Hand. Mr. Puppet, Mr. No, because Mr. Hand didn't talk. No, no, he didn't. Well, he's starting to sound like a South Park character. I just can't remember which one. <laughs> Greased up deaf guy. Greased up deaf guy. That's family, family guy. guy family yeah, guy. It did sound like Greased up deaf guy. <laughs> yeah. He liked to gossip and would travel around the island, which he did. He went, he's a little miniature James Bond. Jeff is. 
he travels around the island listening to gossip and then he comes back he tells all the Irvings like what's going on in the village what's going on around the island that's handy been a bit of a jump here so he was born in Delhi and yeah and he ends up in 1931 in the Isle of Man trying an incredible 7,000 miles so he's an 80 year old mongoose no he's a he could be a cryptid he could be a ghost he says he's a ghost. He says he's a ghost, but Jeff, he's a bit of a trickster, Jeff is. So he's an Indian shaman that decides <laughs> to come back as a mongoose ghost. Maybe. There is a possibility he's a poltergeist That'd as well. Right. Shaman in India? Holy man? Shaman, that would be the right... I don't know, because that's more Native American, isn't it? Shaman. Oh, work out. You're looking at a priest, aren't you? You're just looking at holy man. Yeah. So when the family are seeing this, are they seeing like, you know... A little mongoose. No, because a whole, Va- a whole mongoose, no? Vara was the only one to ever see in the daughter, the 12-year-old daughter. Ah, this is starting oh, to explain yeah. everything now. But he's having conversations with the family. Just like those fairies that that little girl saw. In just the poltergeist angle here plays in. She's 12 years old, she's entering puberty. And yeah. as you see, the poltergeists does tend to... They do like around that age with young girls in the house. They do like to be tricksy. Nancy ghosts. Poltergeist, of course, doesn't mean Nancy ghost. It means noisy ghost in German. <laughs> he would always return to the Irving family farmhouse at Doris Cashin, where he'd regale James, his wife Margaret, and young Vara with village gossip, and would, the family claimed, even read for the local newspapers before <laughs> nesting in his sanctum an alcove situated above Vori's bedroom. The relationship between Jeff and the Irving family was certainly at first an uneasy one, and he was often guilty of what he lightheartedly called devilment. I'm here for the devilment! His little quote of Jeff's. <laughs> his loud, boisterous banging on the walls and his satanic laughter engendered fear and hostility in the Irvings. They believed that Jeff or the entity was trying to scare them out of the farmhouse. I thought they were friends. In relationship after a rocky road, Jeff swore a lot. Lots of fucks. I want your fucking farmhouse. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking cunt. (laughs) Lots of C words. One day, as James sat by a window, he spied a very large cat strike like a tiger, and to quote him, he said, We ourselves did not possess a cat, and I called Vara to come to the window and look at it. She did so, and remarked on the size of the cat, but much more, especially the unusually large bulldog head it had. He quickly realised that it was neither a regular English cat nor a Manx Tailless cat, and went outside with his shotgun, intended to chase it away. However, mysteriously, he lost the trail, and to quote him, he said, the cat was ahead of me, but easily within range, and it turned into an open gateway into a grass field. I was there a few seconds behind, and fully expected to see the cat, but no cat could be seen. Look, as I liked, the field was level, and there was not a bush or any roughness where he could have hidden, and the hedges were all earth, or sod hedges, as they're called here. I detailed my experience to my wife on her return that night, and when Jeff called out, it was me, you saw Jim. <laughs> uh, Jim actually feels really bad, right, that he's tried to poison and kill Jeff after these events, and he apologises to him, and Jeff's like, "Yeah, no hard feelings. <laughs> I'm just gonna haunt you for the rest of your life." 
Let's talk about, is it a case of poltergeist? The, the relationship is between Jeff and the Irving's daughter, Vara, and it bears an uncanny semblance to poltergeist hauntings. We've looked at a few. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, Enfield poltergeist, for a start. Black Monk of Pontefract. Yep. Yep. You know, it was Vora who read and recited the nursery rhymes that taught Jeff how to speak English. Members of the local Manx community taught how Vara would often be seen walking to school or into the village talking to Jeff. Also, her father, James, was, was doing the same. But Jeff was always obscured by a hedge. He said he was hideous, that to look upon him would cause madness and distress. So they didn't see her talking to Jeff. They heard the voices from the hedgerow. Was she throwing her voice? Is she in that too gifted ventriloquist? Yeah. That's the sceptical response. Now Jeff's sanctum was in Vari's bedroom and the early days of the infestation, to quote that, said that the 12-year-old Vari seemed to be the focus of the entity's attention. On account of Jeff's menacing attitude, threats and stone throwing, so you've got physical objects being thrown, and a lot of swearing, a lot of swearing going on. They moved Vora's bed into there, into her parents' room, and proceeded to do so. While dismantling the bedstead, Jeff, who was behind the wainscot, I guess that's the inner wall, okay. screamed, stormed and threatened what he would do to us. The voice was absolutely full of malice, hatred and spleen. And he was stroking the wall with his fist with the greatest violence. When the removal had been completed in a high-pitched voice, fairly trembling with rage, he screamed out, I'll follow her! Why don't you move her? Ooh. Creepy. Now, did you ever see the film The Entity? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> How did you don't know you just said that? I can't remember that one. I think I've seen it, though, but I can't think which one it is. It's a poltergeist film, it's isn't it? It's a poltergeist it? movie uh, where a um, woman is repeatedly raped by a horny poltergeist. Oh, I've not seen that one, though. Yeah. Mm. Similar shades to that. Mm-hmm. With a little bit less rape. Well, obviously, a lot less rape. Now, there was no none was reported. Who can say? Now, obviously, we mentioned before, poltergeist activity often involves an adolescent who's suffering from emotional turmoil when the activity begins, and to be fair... 12 years old, stuck in a remote farmhouse. Yeah. She's going to get bored, she's going to get anxious. Hormones are raging, there's no one around. Did she make up Jeff? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but Jeff, literally, when their relationship became repaired, he guarded the house, he chased away rats, he extinguished the stove if they left it on. He woke them up if they overslept. He pissed on the stove. He, he delivered. He turned it off with his little hands. Yeah, right. He delivered dead rabbits as gifts, which he then claimed he'd strangled to death. <laughs> the story Sounds spread. A little bit like Smeagol, to be yeah. fair. <laughs> the story spread across the Isle of Man to the point where tabloid journalists from all over Britain were coming to try and get a glimpse or hear Jeff. Of course, they were. It was the nineteen thirties. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know... They weren't that spiritual shit back then. They were. There was, was, you know, you had the rise of Hitler going on, but all of a sudden people are more interested in Jeff the Mongoose. He's better than Hitler, ain't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess he is. <laughs> I just think it's Smeagol. If you had a chance of interviewing Jeff the Talking Mongoose or Adolf Hitler, you're going to choose. Well, Jeff. Of course, every time. <laughs> 
all the time. Absolutely all the time. So, as inevitably is the case in small communities, such as that on the Isle of Man, gossip about them spread and the island was literally descended upon by, by the press. Oh, this is important. When asked directly if he was a poltergeist, Jeff is said to have responded in the negative, saying, I am not like one of those, claiming instead to be more like an Indian familiar. Ooh. Ooh. Jeff garnering headlines such as Man Weasel Mystery Grips Island or Queerest Beast Talks to Daily Dispatch Reporter. And before long, word spreads further afield until in 1932, a psychic investigator and foremost ghost hunter of his day, Harry Price, who investigated all the ghosts at the time using scientific methods. Okay. So he's, he's the Egon Spengler of his day. Yeah. Do you know what? I was right. In, uh, oh, no, no, no. I'll take that back. You weren't right. No, it's about, about the f- shamans, because I've put mm. in, like, Indian familiars, and, it come, and it's come up with shamans. But then I've looked at it, and it's all about Native American you see? Indians. Mm-hmm. So, 1932, Harry Price, who is a bit busy at the moment, he's investigating a... Oh, God, hang on. Well, he's got loads on. He's got loads on. He's investigating a theft, a series of thefts, at the top of the Eiffel Tower and their tourist kiosk where money and items are going missing and it's being attributed to a ghost. <laughs> so because he's a bit busy with that, he sends his buddy, Harold Dennis, to go and invest in old interviews with the Irvings and local residents who many who claim to have heard Jeff talking or had other kinds of eerie encounters which they attributed to Jeff. Jeff just basically didn't say a word while he was there until the old Dennis left, in which case he screamed out, I won't speak in front of that bloody man! Oh, so he didn't like him? No, he wouldn't speak in front of people who, encountered, who he thought had their sceptical hats on. Of course. Well, that's helpful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's convenient, isn't it? Jeff, at this point, starts to start speaking more languages. He speaks Russian, Arabic. He starts to do, apparently, he can speak sign language. He can recite Welsh poetry in Welsh and do a Spanish song. Welsh poetry in Welsh? Yep. Fuck me, give me the shotgun. <laughs> what? Is Kill Welsh poetry in Welsh a sign of demonic infestation for no, you, Mike? No, I just fucking hate it. <laughs> well, who are you going to shoot, Jeff or yourself? Well, if I can't, if I can't kill him, then it'll be me, will it? I'll the gun on myself. <laughs> that, that's quite impressive. That's the last straw. No, I think that's quite impressive if... If, you know... He could speak that many languages. Yeah, and, and they could be communicated with. That would be, you know, seriously questioned in whether it was the girl, this little girl out of a farmhouse, knowing all those languages. In 19... She could have memorised it. In the 30s, doubt it very much. She wouldn't have had the ability to get all that information. What, a local library? 12-year-old girl. Yeah. Living in the middle of nowhere in fucking Isle of Man, local library. I'm sure, there was Arabic a library with some Islamic texts and. Oh, well, I don't, I don't Islamic texts. No, not not, not wholly in, Islamic texts. Not in 1931, there wouldn't have been. It would have been all Enid Blyton, wouldn't it? In 1931, <laughs> Famous Five. No, it wasn't just Enid Blyton. <laughs> <laughs> That's all there was to read. There was only Mein Kampf and Enid Blyton. That's all you had to read in the 30s. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a big Enid Blyton collection, actually. Have you? When I was a kid. No, I used to re- love them. Realistically, a 12-year-old girl would not have been able to receive all of that kind of knowledge. 
I do agree with in that. In those circumstances, in that in them days, yeah, no in, fucking way. In 1931, 1932, nah, you, you ain't getting that from the library. No, nope. if and there's even indeed a library on the Isle of Man. Even then, she'd be so fucking savvy to be thinking that oh, I'm going to go learn seven new languages just to fool me from. <laughs> Doesn't have to learn the whole language. You just learn passages, don't you? Recite them over and over again. How does she know the pronunciations? I was going to say, look at some texts. You can't even... Russian. Read. How are you going to fucking <laughs> yeah, read yeah. Russians? Like, I did half an hour Arabic. of Russian once at college. Half an hour. It confused the shit out of me. Or yeah, I just, she might have just like, mimicked it. Like It wasn't Russian, but it sounded Russian to the non-speaker. Oh, she's... Oh. My, she's yeah. She said Russian. vodka seven times. And she said she ski at the end of every yeah. sentence. <laughs> vodka <laughs> ski. Vodka <laughs> ski. <laughs> Ski, one ski, the Vodsky ski. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, just think it Russian! <laughs> See, it's so easy. easy. Now. <laughs> it's that easy! But I'm a jar, I mean, um. That was just a, a reference to Captain America. Or Captain America. Well, Captain America. <laughs> just don't do Welsh poetry impression. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we're not doing that. <laughs> Ali Price, right, he's like, okay, I'm going. He packs up his PKE meter, or whatever he had at the time. He sends a telegraph to James Irving saying, I'm on the way. I'm coming to investigate this. Uh, he gets a reply back from James Irving. He said, um, a slight problem. Jeff's gone missing. Ah, right Oh, Chuck, so I'll uh, not bother then. Uh, in, in July 1935, Price goes regardless. He's like, right, I'm going to sort this out. <laughs> Jeff doesn't speak. Does not speak. Oh, he's there, though. But he's there. But he doesn't speak. Harry Price is there. Again, he... they still can't see him. No, no. He then figures out that that gap between the walls can actually echo your voice around the entire farmhouse. Uh. And James Irving's like, hey, well, you know, look at these, these, these peepholes that Jeff's got. And we see him scuttling around in between them. You know, little holes in the wall. That's how he's hearing speaking from. Is he big enough for a 12-year-old girl to get behind? No, it's not big. No, it's not. No, it's not, it's not big enough for a 12-year-old girl to get behind. I don't know. Is this tiny little scratchings in the plaster and the wood. And you said there was you, a gap. You're talking the... about a six, six to eight-inch gap. Mm. Yeah, that, that's it. Is, has she realised that she can speak through these little holes and get her voice to project around mm. the house? There's a question I'd like to ask you. In Russian and all those other languages. If they were... Yeah. Well, Harry Price, having the oh, I've, I've kiboshed this case, it's the daughter, straight away, goes home and he writes a book, starts writing a book called The Haunting of Cashin's Gap. But in the meantime, Jeff returns, and not to be outdone by this man, he said he didn't want to speak to him because he had his doubting cap on. <laughs> He's got his doubting cap on, I'm not talking in front of him. It's a fucking cant. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> he says, right, well, I've made these plasticine casts of my paws and teeth. Send them down to, send them off to this Harry Price, who does. And he, he, he sends it to the Zoological Society of London. And also, the plastic casts go. The problem is that the Zoological Society of London and a uh, expert for the Natural History Museum said that they were both Dog hair and dog paw prints and dog teeth. What a surprise. <laughs> well, I thought you had hands. Apparently not on these prints. Mm. Yeah, it turned out to be the, the Irving sheepdog Mona was probably the more, more likely case. <laughs> oh, I think Mona may have been possessed by Jeff, but it's been so long thinking that she was a mongoose, she was, mm. forgot she was a dog. I've seen a lot of holes in this one. Mm. I don't know. 
more holes than I saw in Sam the Sandown Man. The Sandown Clone? That's the one. Though Tangel Evans was not forthcoming, there were certainly some strange occurrences during Dennis's visits to the Irving Farmhouse, that's Harry Price's mate, from disembodied voices. So, to quote them, we, Dennis and the Irving, sat and taught until just about 11.45, as if nothing had taken place, I suggested making my way back to Glen May. Just as I had shut the door of the house, we heard a shrill voice from inside scream out, Go away! Who is that man? Mm. Don't you think they'd notice if she's like talking into the holes, like, you know, in the wall? Mr. Irving gripped my arm and said, That's it! Is it a poltergeist? Is it a cryptid? Is it the daughter doing voices? But surely the wife's sat in there with her. Well, yeah, yeah. So it would be. She's a, a fantastic, naturally gifted ventriloquist. Well, yeah, people can tell their voices, can't they? I think it's just that. Personally, mm. it's she's the only one that's ever seen this friggin' mongoose. Mm. There's held intelligent conversations with everybody in the house. Yeah, but she's just making it up. It's just her, isn't it? Shrill screams, accompanied by terrific knocking, loud bangs, emanated from all parts of the house in quick succession, as if the perpetrator moved at lightning speed, like a mongoose. The bangs appeared to come from within the roof, Mr and Mrs Irving's room over the kitchen and on the staircase. The noise continued for about 15 minutes, culminating with tremendous bangs as if something had been thrown with great violence upstairs. So we went to Vara's room and found that a heavy chair, which Mrs Irving had put on the staircase covering, had been flung from its place and fallen partly on the bed and partly on the chest of drawers. Vari, who was awake, said, Oh, it's only some more of Jeff's tricks, but did not appear at all perturbed. No, because she did it. No, it was Jeff. So she's not in the room when they're hearing the noises. It's her, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. She's in the room for some moment. Remember? She, they're all sat there. They just went up to the bedroom and she was in... Yeah, that in one's bedroom, really yeah. yeah, I'm guessing <laughs> that's when the noises were. It is a heavy wooden chair, though. She can throw a voice. So she's yeah. in the room when the voice is there, but when the bangs and stuff, she's not there. She's doing it, isn't she? You're suggesting she she couldn't lift the chair. She's suggesting the chair might be too heavy to throw for a 12-year-old girl, 13-year-old girl. Stronger than you think. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, Livy could, could. If she wanted to, she could tip over the sofa quite happily. Mm. She's 10. Yeah. Well... You know, the kids are stronger cool. nowadays. <laughs> she is. No, but Not she joking. really wanted You're right, to, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I know, I yeah, know how you. strong she is. She yeah. can lift up me. She can, like, lift me up. You know, and they, they grab you and uh, bear hook you up. She can just lift me off the floor. So she's... I, yeah. could, I could see that being capable of a 12, 13-year-old child. Yeah, no problem. me too, me too. So what happened to Jeff? Around the closing of the 1930s, Jeff's visitations became less frequent... And Margaret and Vora eventually left the farmhouse in 1945 following James Irving's death. The following year, the new owner, actor Leslie Grant Graham. Not Leslie Grantham. Not Leslie Grantham, Leslie Graham, claimed to have shot Jeff. What? But pictures of the dead animal showed it to be a large black and white creature. He's made this picture of Leslie, Leslie Graham, literally stood there with a shotgun over his shoulder, foot up, holding something like a large rodent by the tail. Where's that picture? No, we can find it. Mm-hmm. Upon seeing the pictures, Vori Irving was adamant the thing Graham was shot was not Jeff. But if he could change his form... No one else <laughs> know what Jeff looks like. Well, it looks like a mongoose with human hands. We know what it looks like, but no one's ever seen it. Seen it, yeah. yeah. Ultimately, the investigations of Dennis and Price, as well as those of several other researchers, 
were never able to provide real evidence in support of the earnings claims, nor to prove or disprove conclusively the existence of Jeff. Harry Price was sceptical and wrote in private correspondence that the affair is susceptible of a psychological explanation, elaborating that the whole family must be mixed up in it, but there still remains a question of motive. The motive for the imposture lies much deeper than mere publicity, and that is what makes the case so interesting. Mm, so he's more interested in why the family hoaxed it. Yes. Yeah. And Evari Irving died in 2005, and throughout her life she shied away from any public notoriety, but always insisted that Jeff was real, and that that case of the Dalby spook was not a hoax. It could be real to her in her head. Yeah. It's real. She, she said it ruined her life. I mean, she never married. As soon as people found out this story about her, that they just like ran a mile from her. I just can't she said Jeff ruined her life. But she always admitted that it was true. Yeah, because at the time she had a mental illness. And to her, it was <laughs> true. Maybe. Do you think she's got undiagnosed schizophrenia? Could be. Could be. Well, one thing is certain, though. Regardless of whether it was a real or a hoax, the tale of Jeff, the extra special talking mongoose, is one of the UK's folklore's strangest and most fascinating stories. There's a picture of Jeff there, if you find that. Have a look at that. Taken by Vara, nonetheless. Looks like a bear. It looks like a badger, <laughs> doesn't it? It does. Oh, it looks like a mongoose, badgery thing, yeah. Thin badger. Mm. Mongoose, yeah, it could be either. Quite it's a not a cat, is it? No. No. Could it be a dog? No. No. 1930s photography, I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? Could mm. it be a stuffed toy that she stuck in her uh, Yeah, it could be that. Could be. I like this one. I'm on Team Jeff. I could see that as black and white, even though. So maybe uh, Leslie Graham did shoot yeah. it. Yeah, well. Maybe there was a real life. She insisted it, or Badger that was around the place. He well, shot that. Well, hold on. Have you got the picture of that? Yeah, picture of that. Yeah, we can thing. find that. It's all right. Jeff. I present to you Jeff, the talking mongoose. Alex! <laughs> I can't believe it. How many people it's, draw, it's drawn into it as a, you know, first the family, were they just doing it to go along with an imaginary friend for the daughter, yeah. you know? Out in the Isle of Man, boring place. Mm. Yeah, I think it's an overactive imagination of a young girl. Yeah. Perhaps crossed with a mental illness. Very small, you know, island as well. Yeah. So they love a folk folklore, they love a tale, don't they? Yeah. So they just go around the island and talk about it. <laughs> I want Team Jeff. Fuck you all. Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Mm. All the British cryptids are generally on these little islands though, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I do. I, I like the folklore of it. Mm. I like the mad eccentricity of it. The fact that it got Harry Price there. The fact that the BBC went there. It's just a wild tale, isn't it? Cause, you know, it says it's a ghost from Delhi from 1852. But it know. could be a cryptid. It could be a poltergeist. It could be just a regular ghost. Yeah, but you, then you got to believe in them, haven't you? The I don't believe in them the to begin with. And the dog teeth. That's something a kid would do, isn't it? And the hair was from the sheepdog. Nobody ever saw the mongoose apart from her. Yeah, the, the family did see snatches of him in the old was in the war, but no one ever saw her so like Varadin. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was that supposed... The glory hole. 
There was that. Did you do that to the Earth's glory holes? That supposed picture of him poking through that hole. That just looked like a teddy. Yeah, one balance on a beam. Like above a picture frame or whatever it looked like. I don't know, but yeah. On a bridge, I did. Mm, like a badger, I mean. Well, I'm on Team Jeff. I love a British. I love a, a obscure cryptid. Was he on Team Sam as well? I was. Yeah. What about Team Sasquatch? Always on Team Sasquatch. Good man. <laughs> Not Sasquatch hunters. No, no. But Sasquatch, yeah. I'm a Bigfoot expert. You've never seen one. What do you know about it? It is funny, isn't it, when they call themselves experts. Mm. You're like, you never seen one. When you catch one, you can call yourself an expert. Exactly, and I think the same goes for Jeff. I like it. It's a nice little British cryptid ghost story. Remote farmers being haunted by the ghost of an undead Indian mongoose. Mm. Why the hell not? What, the only... Obviously, he was born in 1852, yeah? Yeah. So, it's only 80 years on. Very new ghost, very young. You know what I mean? It's, there's lots of little fucking things in this that make you just think... Was it matter if it's a new ghost or old ghost? I was going to say, why are you being well, against but... ghosts? <laughs> Where's the caveman ghost, damn it? <laughs> I don't know, it just seems odd. That's all. If there had been like a good hundred year gap, then fair enough. What, what <laughs> if it was what if twenty years? What if what if it was it's reincarnation when they kept the consciousness? Milf ghosts. <laughs> Milf ghosts. <laughs> so he just likes it, the older ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be technically great goof ghosts, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hundred years. Yeah, they'd be goof ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, should we end the show on some fucked up facts? Yeah, can do. Alright, so theme tune then. Facts, facts, facts fucked up facts, 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 facts. That's a bit ish then. <laughs> the most regretted baby name in the US is, anyone have a guess? Timmy! Not Timmy, begins with an A. Oh. Are you there? Uh, sure. No, no. Abu Dhabi. <laughs> <laughs> Is it something Arabic? No, I don't think so. Alright, okay. Alexandria. Aaron. I already said that. Alan. No, Alan. <laughs> no, not Alan. Aiden. Aiden. Alright, okay. I don't know why, but apparently. Most disliked name. Most regretted baby name. So I assume that is that the parents oh, regretting AIDS. naming it or the kid regretting. All right, AIDS. When you. Oh yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Then you're like, yeah. you're always shorting a name, especially yeah. if it's two syllables, and that yeah. you either call them Den or AIDS. Yeah. Or or AIDS. Do you remember a show called FM? It was on ITV. Probably about 20 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. Oh, yeah, but I can remember like yesterday. <laughs> anyway, the character in that was named AIDS. <laughs> yeah, actually, hey, do you remember that obscure ITV show that never yeah. got more than one season yeah. 20 years ago? Yeah, Mike, you can remember it well. Like. It was a good show, actually. Oh, right. well, I think it was called FM. There we go. Aiden, for some reason. Yeah. Oh. Did anyone have a ZX Spectrum? Yes. No, I had an Amstrad CPU 464. Yeah, I had one of them. 
48k with a colour monitor. Mm-hmm. Can you remember some of the titles of the games? Dizzy the I, Egg. I, you had your Froggers and things like that. Dizzy mm. Egg, that was Dizzy after, the egg. I think. Uh, that one in the Amstrad. Uh, 64 uh, time. Uh, yeah. The Amstrad was definitely on there. Go on, why? Because just some of the titles are quite funny. Oh, uh, right. Impossible. <laughs> yeah. Mm, Chubby Gristle. Uh, <laughs> what game that is. Pud Pud in Weird World. Okay. And there's one just called Ah. Why the fuck not? I don't remember them. No, I never had a spectrum. No, I didn't. Our first computer, really. Mm. And this Most game with anyway. This fact sort of ties in from last week's topic on medieval medicine. Mm. Europeans trying to treat the Black Death used to tie a chicken to themselves with its plucked bum touching their buboes. <laughs> I never come across that one in my research. No, touching their what? Buboes, which is the, the big boils. Boils. Oh, right. The big yeah. pus-filled sacks under their arms and their groin. I was thinking a bodily part. Uh, I was thinking... So the arse will be touching that? them. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's Enos touching that. Well, why not? Give it a go. More than one, you know. Would you have more than one? Yeah, you'd have like 10, 20 chickens. You'd have at least four, wouldn't you? At least four, maybe six. You'd have to yeah. wear under your clothes if you want it touching. You're going to look like yeah. a beast. <laughs> then again, you're also, let's face it, you're not, it's not like you're walking around at this point. You, oh, lay on, yeah. you lay on your bed of straw that's mixed with pus, blood and vomit and, and yeah, shit. Yeah, you're wondering about it. Everybody be like, oh, here comes that chicken cunt. <laughs> <laughs> chicken fucker. Hmm. <laughs> Look at me, view boy, he's gone down to me. Get that thing in my fucking face! Get the plague out of here! No, he's, he's at home in a fucking sick bed, isn't he? Yeah, you've got a beef on your face and stuff a chicken's arse in <laughs> Get away! <laughs> a chicken on a stick! <laughs> chicken's oh, arse on a stick! Chicken's arse on a stick! Get away from me! <laughs> <laughs> Trying your hardest to think of a pun. <laughs> what else have we got, though? 92% of planets that are ever to exist are yet to be born. Ooh. Yet to be born. That's deep, man. Yeah. Wow. So that means there's planets we could get to in the future that haven't been formed yet. Whoa. Yep. Just goes to show how early we are through the, the universe. How do I know we're that early, though? Because I do. Oh. <laughs> well, that's a fucking what an answer from a science officer. Because we've got various estimates that the Big Bang was four and a half billion years ago. Fourteen point eight. Oh, fourteen point eight. Sorry. Thirteen point eight. I don't know something like that. Something like that. Billion years ago, they can see it. They can measure it. The background radiation. Yeah, still we can there. go back to the very first few seconds. I think after the Big Bang, we can see. Was so it we know that's there. We know that happened. What? That's Pretty a definite. Imagery or what? I think it's probably too much. It's background radiation photos of the universe. You can see the radiation still from Big yeah. Bang there. You know the old televisions, the old analog signal. Mm-hmm. And you're flicking through the tuning, and you get all the black and white. Yeah. That's the background radiation. Okay. The birth of the universe. Some of it is anyway. Cool. So there you go. Fun fact: If you ever turned on a black and white TV and had to scramble around for the tuning. Oh, you were watching the birth of the universe just to leave. Well, it's something, not just, you know. <laughs> mm. Just black and white bits. Mm. I knew it was something. 
That's how big this, that's how big this bang was, though, isn't it? It must have been... Claire, you're going to tell us now that you've been listening to Russian number stations, or it's just like 23, 17, 46. You're like, I know it means something. I'm going to sit here and decipher the code. After that, I'm getting onto the black and white static. <laughs> One one zero 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 one 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 zero 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 one zero one. I haven't got the motivation to do anything about it. I just, just knew in in my heart of hearts that it, it was something, something bigger than us. Well, spontaneous dancing is banned in Sweden. Good, so it should be. <laughs> That's terrible. My God, that makes it like, like, like Sweden, like the town from Footloose. Does that mean that Kevin Bacon's gonna go there? Mm. Spontaneous Hopefully. dancing. That's tragic. Yeah, me too, actually. Yeah. yeah. Not much of a dancer, me. Public places must have a dance permit to allow patrons to dance. <laughs> Excuse uh, me, sir, do you have your dance permit? Actually, yes, I do. Carry on. <laughs> Carry on, sir. Hey! When did they all of a sudden become like a Nazi state? About three weeks ago when the far right won the election. <laughs> yeah. yeah, weirdly. Sweden now has a, a right-wing government. Do they? Yeah, after being a liberal bastion for many years, decades probably. Yeah. Hmm. I'll just say the list of Chester, the show cat, has entered the room. Hello, Chester. He is strutted in like he owns the place, which he, yeah. I guess he does, <laughs> technically. <laughs> that was him saying hello. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, Gary from SpongeBob SquarePants? <laughs> That's right, Gary. <laughs> Most frogs don't drink through their mouth. Oh, right. How do they drink? They have a patch on their stomach called the drink patch that they absorb moisture through. Yeah. I thought you were going to say they suck it up through a straw from their penis. <laughs> I thought you were going to say what? anus, to be fair. And I yeah. thought it was going to just be absorbed through the skin. <laughs> a little bit I thought they were going to dip their willy in the water and just like suck it up like a little straw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like fish, you know, they don't really mm. drink, do they? So they've got to absorb it through... Yeah, they, they do. Not. They drink air. They come up to the surface and go. Oh, they hold the mouth open the water. I finally found something that I'm good at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every year, a village in Montenegro hosts a lying down championship. <laughs> this year's champion spent sixty hours lying. Nothing. Oh, I can do that. Sixty. <laughs> yeah. Mm. You can move around, surely. You don't got to spend all the time with your back to the thing. I think you do. And you piss. I guess you don't. In the air, <laughs> like a fountain. <laughs> Is that how you do it? Bedpan. <laughs> yeah. Catheter. Or catheter, yeah. If you're a catheter in yourself just to, have a, just to live your daily life, because you can't be asked to get up, I think you've got an issue, man. <laughs> I'm going to bring the t- trophy back for Britain, God damn it. I need your support. Oh, you know what? If you're going to devote the rest of your life to bringing back the Lion Down World Championship... Back to Blighty, then you know what, Mike, I'm my full back in. Yeah. Cool. I'm not fucking like. He's gonna need some catheters. <laughs> 60 hours, you say? I can sleep that. <laughs> I'll do an open top bus parade when I get back. <laughs> well, I'll be hailed Just you room. asleep on the open top bus. <laughs> Lying down with the stars. With one of those adjustable beds, and I just raise it just to wave. <laughs> 
who to be waving at them? All, all the throngs of people come and celebrating. <laughs> you can just have a lift the cup up and they go, oh well, I'm just tired of putting that down. Because of this one, you. I need to go back to bed. Your, your muscles are just andriffing to nothing. You're like one of the victims of seven <laughs> at this point. I'm just going to look at you. Mm. Maybe someone else can put the trophy up for me. <laughs> You know what? You pay me enough, Mark, I'll pick that trophy up for you. <laughs> what happened? You weaseling on my moment. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> All right, fuck you then. <laughs> you have to watch yourself with a rag on a stick. You're <laughs> 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 Oh, shit. Oh, this is depressing. The cloudiest city in the US gets more sunlight than the sunniest city in England. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I can believe it. <laughs> The world's largest beaver dam is twice as long as the Hoover Dam. Hey! Let's give it up for them beavers. That's cool, isn't it? Mm. Let's give a full round of applause. Full cut of the bun, the poster of the apocalypse. Round of applause. Not as big though, is it? But it's. No, you get on. There's like June the Jones, isn't it? Up there? the beavers. Up the beavers. Up <laughs> the beavers. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the cartoon show Angry Beavers? That was ace, wasn't it? It was, it was fantastic. They were angry. They were very angry. But one of them was. Mm. The world's deserts receive enough solar power energy in six hours to power the world for a year. Now nah, let's just born, Yeah, let's just keep on banging that coal gas oil and nuclear out. Yeah. yeah. Fuck solar. Yeah, it'd be fine. The state of Michigan is home to towns called Colon. <laughs> Flushing and Brown City. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, why not? One more? Yeah. Hot dogs were once called Dash Hunt sausages. I can see why. Dash Hunt sausages? Yeah. Mm. Probably because they were made from Dash Hounds in the First World War. <laughs> oh, no. Germany was that much on its arse. It was eating the Dash Hounds. Dash Hunts. Dash Hunts. Oh, I saw a, I saw a staffy crossed with a dash hunt on the internet today. It was mental. What did it look like? It's a little staffy fat head. Yeah. And then a fat, slightly fatter body, but still a short. <laughs> it was mental. Ah, so there you go. That's the episode. I'm going to say thanks for listening. I'm on Team Jeff. I stand with Jeff, hashtag Jeff. Don't join the favourite, don't join the court. Follow us on Facebook at Cutting the Ball in the Post Truth Apocalypse. Most podcasting platforms at Cutting the Ball in the PTA. And YouTube is Apocalypse Ball. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, leave us a nice comment if you want to. Yeah, don't report us, you cunts. Don't report <laughs> yeah. us for stuff that we clearly maintained was uh, in, down to individual choice. You know what I'm going to say? Fuck you, World Health Organization. You trusted China. I've been Mike. Thanks for listening. Peace out. May the force be with you. And I've been Claire, keeping an open mind, but not so open that it spills out your ears. And I've been Pete. Aim low, but shoot high. Don't forget that. Shoot higher than the World Health Organization did over their handling of the COVID pandemic. <laughs>